0: Hello, everyone. You are listening to the latest Flyers Talk podcast. I am Jordan Hall. And as always, I am joined by the wonderful Brooke Destra. And Brooke, we have our favorite special guest Monday.
1: That is right. It is the lovely Taryn Hatcher. Taryn, how are you doing today?
2: I'm doing swell. It feels like winter which makes it extra weird because it's never this cold out and then there's no hockey or basketball at this point normally too we're talking about. So it's, it is a little odd because I think everything felt like one long continuous month, especially like you get into summer and time flies. And then now it's like, oh, yeah, like the seasons are changing, even though this year feels like an enormously long Monday.
0: Let's get into some fun topics, player-related topics. And first, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes, year one of his seven-year deals in the books, safe to say I think it was a pretty successful first year for Kevin Hayes. Um, He has become a fan favorite, and he was very productive as well. Um, The question, though, about Kevin Hayes is how will his role change or grow next season in year two? Brooke Descher, you're going to be writing an article on this soon for NBC Sports Philadelphia. What are you thinking about Kevin Hayes going into next season?
1: Well, I was originally thinking about the first time that we really got to talk to Kevin Hayes in training camp last year and how he immediately kind of fit the entire vibe of the team, of the locker room. It looked like he fit right in. And I think a lot of that had to play in part to the fact that he already had an existing relationship with Elaine Vigneault. But I just think it's going to continue to grow. I mean, he was only there for a few weeks at the time when we first got to talk to him. And, He just seemed so settled and so comfortable with the team, and that really only continued to expand in his first year. And not only did he take on this huge leadership role, but he took on a big part in production as well on ice. And I don't think that that's going to stall at all once the next season uh, starts back up. If anything, he's going to play a more important role, and I'm looking ahead to – uh, if Nolan Patrick comes back, I think he's going to be a really great person to kind of help him get back into the groove of things. And yeah, I just think leadership-wise, he's really going to take another stepping stone. I mean, he really is one of the older guys on this team, and is just—he's a natural-born leader, and he's got a great personality. And a lot of the younger guys and the older guys on the team respect the crap out of him. Yeah. So it'll—it'll it'll be really interesting to see where he falls, but it's definitely going to be on a high list of that leadership ranking for sure.
0: Yeah, I think that's exciting. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned Nolan Patrick. I think, like you said, Kevin Hayes could be really good for him in so many ways. Obviously, they lived together during year one. Uh, Kevin had Nolan move into his place because Kevin said he got a really big – a really big place in Philly and he had a lot of room. And uh, so Nolan and, and Kevin lived together. I know they became close, close friends. And I think Kevin Hayes is good for Nolan because he – Kevin Hayes likes to keep it light. He likes to keep it fun. He's going to mess around. And that could be good for when Nolan Patrick does and if, if and when he comes back. Just to have fun. Have fun with hockey again. Forget about the pressures of being the number two overall pick in 2017. Forget about missing last season. Just be around the boys. Have fun. I think Kevin Hayes is going to make sure that. And then also on the ice. Um, Nolan Patrick doesn't have the pressure of being like the number two center or taking these massive strides he can look up and see Sean Couturier and Kevin Hayes above him, kind of in the depth chart among center, and just kind of say, all right, just go out there and play. Just go out there and play. You don't have to, you don't have to be um, an all-star. You don't have to be a top-line center, second-line center. Just be Nolan Patrick and have fun. Um, Taryn, part of the, uh, <laughs> the things I really miss about some of your uh, pregame interviews was Kevin Hayes always saying somehow he always worked in, let's get pucks deep, got to get him yes.
2: Pucks on net, pucks deep, cycle the puck, keep it simple, play our game. And, but that's one of the things that I think – and we, we talk about other ways in which he's a leader in, in kind of uh, underrated ways. Like, we talk a lot about how he keeps it light. And Ian LaPere, who's very much that guy when he was in the Flyers dressing room, has said, like, that's a really important thing, especially when you had a Flyers team who struggled the way they did the year before. You need somebody who can keep things um, in perspective – and, and Kevin's both funny about it and has a very uh, sort of serious understanding of it because he's had two parents who have cancer, who've had cancer, pardon me, and he's dealt with a very serious injury that almost ended his career. Um, so, so he does actually have, like, he understands the gravity of, of how kind of lucky all these guys are. And, and so that, the other thing that I think we take for granted with Kevin Hayes that was very important this year. And I think was really important to, uh, I think the fan base, some of the fan base that became disinterested at certain times, falling back madly in love with the flyers is that he, he takes up a lot of the space publicly and entertains people publicly in a way that some other guys just don't want to like Claude drew is not that guy. Great, great guy, great team player, great leader. I think he's a great captain. I know people have their opinions. But, but Claude's not that guy who's going to, like, come out and call everybody nicknames and and try. You know, he's not the team comedian. He's really not. And Kevin does it in a really likable way. Um, and he's kind of come in and very quickly, I mean, for so like a Boston guy. It's impressive how he's come in so quickly and sort of become, like, the mayor of Philadelphia. And I think it's really endeared a lot of, a lot of fans who became indifferent to this team once again. And that is important because you do need those guys who are going to agree to take all these interviews and and get all the funny, catchy moments and and make you like these players as people. And he does that, which a lot of guys don't want to. And he also has self-awareness with it, where we would request him during the quarantine all the time because his interviews were great. He always agreed to do them. And at some point, you know, through Flyers PR, he told us, Kevin wants to to pump the brakes a little bit because he doesn't want to take up too much space to the point where it seems disrespectful to the veterans of the team. Like that self-awareness is important in a non-hockey sense. Now in the hockey sense, taking this step, it's so interesting because we always talk about his production and how his year was a success and yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. There was like six weeks where when he first started with this team where he just got obliterated by people, by fans on social media, you know, cause he wasn't, he came in and had this big contract and he didn't hit the ground running. And the thing that always sticks out to me was I, I did an interview with him about it and it was right before actually clicked and got going. And I said, how do you deal with that? Because you're, you're a guy who's really engaged in social media, like has a ton of fans, has a big following, but, I mean, Twitter's ruthless. Twitter's just an emotional Roodle. battleground, and, um, and he goes, you know, I don't really look, but every once in a while, if my brother sees, like, a really funny burn on me on Twitter, he'll text it to me, and and you kind of just, like, a part of it stings, but the other part of it, you just got to, like, shrug your shoulders and giggle and be like, dude, I do have to be better. Like, I know I have to be better. They have self-awareness. Um, but he loves that part of Philly. In New York, he said You know, there are people who love the Rangers, but there's a million other things to do. In Philly, sports are number one. And to Flyers fans, the Flyers come before all else. And he really appreciated that. And I think his ability to navigate that skid and then become this guy who we look back now and say had a really productive year, I think shows that he's not going to be perfect for seven years. But I think he puts himself in a great position to succeed next year by really being able to get hit by what it is to play in Philadelphia real hard, real early, and navigate it like a champ and become likable and be productive at the same time. And like Brooke said, once Nolan Patrick comes back, I mean, his impact on Nolan's personal life and Nolan's game could potentially be huge for this team.
1: You can almost kind of assume that the first few weeks of him being in Philly, like, during the regular season, were kind of like his initiation of becoming an athlete in Philadelphia. Um, because clearly, like you said, that that shifted gears immensely once he finally hit the ground running and quickly became a fan favorite. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's been so great to have him in Philly, and it's, it should make people excited for next year to see what else he's able to bring to the table now that he's comfortable, now that he knows Philly like the back of his hand. It's, it's going to be exciting.
2: Like who's been the last character I'm trying to think quite like, like a Scott Hartnell, maybe like who was the last real character where, when he sat down and did an interview, you were like, I got to watch this interview and you don't even know what he's going to say, but you just know you like Scott, you know, you like mm-hmm. him, you like him and he makes you like the flyers. And even when they're not playing well, you like Scott. So you keep supporting the flyers. That's important. Like that is important for a fan base. I mean, his impact on this franchise has been Pretty, pretty big, pretty early. So hopefully it just keeps trending in that direction.
0: Yeah, and it probably couldn't have come at a better time in terms of, you know, you wonder if a lot of the core pieces that the Flyers had, if they lost maybe their love for hockey a little bit in that 2018-19 season. It was so disastrous. There was so much change. It just, quite frankly, it was not a fun season. You could sense it sometimes in the locker room. I know Michael Raffl has talked about how just drastically different uh, this past season was compared to the, pr- the previous one. I think they started having fun again, and I think Kevin Hayes was uh, – he came in perfect timing because they needed someone to kind of provide that fun, that outside perspective, and I think he did that. And would you guys agree that, um, uh, Brooke uh, – I know you'll be touching on this in your article, but I think the exciting thing is this, is Kevin Hayes' offensive ceiling, I think, is still really high. I think he hasn't reached it yet. So we know what he does on and off the ice. Uh, we know what he does in the in the dressing room. We know what he does defensively, penalty kill, but – um, he was going to break his career high in goals if the season finished as as planned. Um, and I think he can break his career high again of points of 55. Um, and I think that's what the Flyers really liked when they were signing him. They knew what he could do 200 foot wise, but they really thought his offensive upside was still there. And I, w- would you think so as well?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think another big thing to touch on is that it's not only the fact that he's growing as a player, it's the people around him growing as well. You know, he was on lines with some of the younger guys on this team. You know, he was with Konechny a lot. And Konechny was really growing to become this kind of star player for the Flyers. And after the season that he's had, and yeah, sure that the playoffs weren't ideal, to say the least, but you can't judge a player based off of, what was it, 16 games. You can't do that. Um, However, next year when he sees all of these pieces – Growing even more, I think that that's only going to add fuel to his fire in the sense of, yeah, he's not, he has not even touched his ceiling yet. And that is a wonderful thing for the Flyers.
0: At Nissan, we just made your choice for a new car an easier one than ever with our most exciting and fuel efficient lineup. The choice is yours. Now get great offers across our full line. Shop at your local Nissan store today at NissanUSA.com. Yeah, a player that Kevin Hayes also just seamlessly connected with was Travis Konechny. I don't think anyone is surprised. Two fun personalities, two energetic players. Uh, They became really close friends, as we know. And what do you know? Kevin Hayes comes in, and Travis Konechny also has a breakout season the year one he comes in. And it kind of had us thinking, what are the expectations now for Travis Konechny? He's had his his breakout season, excuse me, um, and now there's another stride, I think, to take. Taryn, what are you kind of expecting from Konechny going into next season?
2: Uh, I hope he just preps the same way he did for the regular season because, yes. I mean, he came into the year red hot, and I remember asking him a lot about that, uh, and it was kind of, I'm sure, annoying, but you're just like, what did you do this year? Like, what did you do? Because you came into – I mean, granted, he came into camp, like, hours late, but he came into camp late, but, but he came in, like, ready to go and ripping through people from the jump. And he just said, you know, I, I did a lot more actual like skating with a puck and a stick workouts and it helped me exponentially versus, you know, hitting the weight room and, and doing some of the workouts that they do off the ice to help with on ice things. I think he just played himself into taking that next step on his own. So I hope he's able to do that. I do wonder if maybe that was what had an impact on him, in the postseason, I don't know because it's you know, it, it's hard to really know, especially given the interview process once they got back into camp before the postseason. How he really prepared for the postseason, but my, my guess is is that you can't be practicing with a ton of guys who aren't on your team, even up in Canada at that point. Um, so I don't know what his prep was, but I would hope that it would be. It, it seems like for him, he. He, he plays his way into confidence. He plays his way into production. And I think that's what helped him is he, he got started red hot and it helped him stay hot because he's kind of that guy with Moxie and those players that have Moxie, they kind of need that edge. Like I'm gonna beat you no matter what you try to do. Travis is one of those guys and luckily for us all, he, he could beat them. <laughs> like and he was able to find the back of the net. Um, so it'll be interesting. It'll be interesting, too, because you have to think that now that it's going to be V's second year here, he's seen the chemistry and he's seen all the combinations and he sees what he likes when this person is paired with this person and how they complement each other and how they don't. Whereas this past year, I mean, we were well into January when he said, I feel like now I'm really starting to know my my pieces and what makes them tick and how they fit and, you know, I might not always put Roth on a line with this guy or this guy, but if I need, if I need a jump in the physicality spectrum, I know I can put Roth in there. And, you know, I, and he figured it out in January, and then the season shut down in March. So it'll be interesting to see how AV uses him, because I'm sure he'll continue to change lines all the time. But now he knows kind of the pressure points with different guys. Um, so that'll be interesting. I'm sure he'll be – I mean, Travis is a fiery guy. I'm sure he'll be really frustrated with the way the postseason went as well. So I'd imagine he'd come in and and really want to overperform when he comes back. But I do think for him, it sounded like a lot of it was the way he preps, the way he practices. And so I do kind of wonder if that was impacted before the postseason. I know they got to go back to a camp and and all of that, but – I don't necessarily think that's the same thing.
0: Yeah, we all know. Everyone knows how many goals he scored in the 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs. It was zero. It was zero in 16 games, um, obviously 13 over the first and second rounds of the playoffs, and then obviously he didn't score in the three-round robin games. Everyone knows that. I think a lot of people do forget, and I'm not making an excuse for him, but that was his first extended playoff run of his NHL career. He had been in the playoffs before, but they had never gone on a run. Obviously, they lost early. So that was really the first extended playoff front of his career, kind of as the guy, as a guy that's, like, looked at to produce. And I think that got to him a little bit. Once he got into a spell where he wasn't scoring goals, obviously he was impacting the game in other ways, but people look at goals and points. And once he got it, kind of got into the funk, the spotlight got on him, and that was the first time he had gone through that. We forget that he's 23, and that was his first real run. Um, I don't really worry about him at all in that sense. I, I think he's going to score big playoff goals in his career. I'm sure you t- both of you guys do as well. Um, but to me, that's his next step. That's his next step. I think he could have, you know, we don't know how long the regular season is going to be and what's in store for this 2020-21 for this season. But I think he could score all the goals he wants and all the points. And Philly's going to be happy with that. But I think it's going to be – the next step is going to be playoffs. He needs to score playoff goals, big moments – Um, That's, I think, the next step for him. Brooke, what do you think? Uh, What do you think the expectations are for Travis Konecki going into next year?
1: So right off the bat, I take a look at his goal production from the past three seasons. And he he scored 24 goals. That has been his, basically, point for the past three years. And the only difference is from this past season is that there were significantly less games. So that's exciting because we still have not been able to see a full season and we probably won't see it next season either with a condensed year, which is unfortunate. But you began to get a little taste of everything that he's capable of. It was a great culmination of the physicality that he likes to bring, the aggression he likes to bring on the ice. Like Taryn mentioned, when he's confident, nobody can stop him. I mean, he's, he's one of the shorter guys in the league. And I know that he doesn't like that to be talked about, <laughs> but yeah. he's not. I want to see what he's
2: listed at. Sorry, keep going. I want to yeah. see
0: what he's listed I at. I think 5'10", he... maybe 5'11". Yeah. Okay.
2: okay, well, that's interesting because as a 5'10 lady. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. are, you mm-hmm. saying,
0: are you saying you're taller than Travis Connecty Tanner? Is that what you're trying to say? Travis Connecty is listed at 5'10". There we go. I,
2: I am. I am a – like a five ten on a day where I stand up straight and a five nine on a day when I don't, <laughs> and I'm taller than Travis McNabb on both days. <laughs> so <Six skates. laughs>
1: when he has skates on.
2: So <laughs> I mean, I don't wear high heels when I do my job. So you can just look at the pictures of the interviews, but right. I mean, but, which is which is a testament to him because yeah. he, I like he still gets in there and mixes things up and he's not the guy. Sorry, Brooke, I completely cut you off. No,
1: you're fine. (laughs) No, you're fine. It's funny because my one friend always refers to him. I'm going to laugh as scrappy (laughs) do because of the kind of personality that he brings. And he's (laughs) ever since she said, it, it was maybe two seasons ago. I can't unsee it. Because he brings – he's like a little guy with – kind of have uh, yeah.
2: hair and facial hair, like Shaggy from Scooby-Doo as well.
1: Right, Which right. Is- so I just think it's he's such an interesting player, and I know I'm still stuck on last season. I will talk about my thoughts in a moment for the future.
2: No, it's <laughs> all right.
1: It's, it's definitely um, an interesting sense in – he's – He came forward as a leader last year, and that was a really big point for him to make because it was a first season out of a contract. Big, new, shiny contract, high expectations for him. I mean, when we were doing our fearless forecast before last season, I projected him to have a 30-goal season, Mm -hmm. which probably would have been the case if things didn't start off. And then they were in Prague, and he scores two goals right off the bat, and that's exactly – what people wanted to see. So I don't think by any means that that's something that's going to slow down next year. If anything, it's going to progress even more so to the point where, yeah, he could be the top point leader on the flyers again.
0: Yeah.
1: He could really take that next step. And yeah, it's great that we have Kevin Hayes stepping up Sean Gatori, you know, we've, we've discussed him endlessly on this podcast. He's the best player in the flyers have right now it's just all adding to the fact that like people need to understand that the flyers are so deep yeah. threat wise. And last year was really just the beginning of it. And if connect is able to continue that progression and not be, I mean, as an athlete, basically anybody in the career field, if you're not doing something that you want to do, you're obviously frustrated with yourself when you know what you're capable of, but for some reason you just can't break through. um, I have a feeling that Konechny is going to be really capable of, or hopefully, being able to address what he's doing wrong in games and assess it and see how he can fix it moving forward instead of going into that next game in his head feeling down on himself, feeling down on his performance, and just being like, okay, it's a bounce-back game. Let's do it. Um, so if he doesn't stay too hung up on things like that, I think it could be a really a really fun, interesting season to see just how important Konechny is for the team.
2: He, he also, and I don't mean to, to contradict uh, the one part of what you said, Brooke, at all, but the thing that's odd to me, and this is just my perception from being around the guys and being in the dressing room, et cetera, et cetera, is that it still feels like because he is so young and he's not, he's like the fun kind of needles you guy as well as a player. Like he'll, he'll make jokes and he's sarcastic and and kind of dry in the locker room and stuff too. It, It still feels like he's the boy wonder who had a breakout season. Like he's not the guy. He's, he's this boy wonder who had a great season and the flyers really spread the wealth production wise other than that. So he was the main goal contributor because of that kind of even distribution outside of him. Um, so the thing that becomes interesting to me is when and what does it look like as he sort of grows into this role as all right, I'm not, I'm not the young breakout star and I'm here and I will have a target as the flyers top producer on my back. And how does that look? You know, what does that look like? Does that look like a Brad Marchand? Like, what does that look like as less of this 23 year old who, who took a step and now as potentially the guy, um, Because I do think he could lead the Flyers in in goals next year, easily. I I really do think he could, especially if they continue to play the way that they played last year where there is so many contributors. But at some point, I I just wonder, and it's not a knock on him or his personality in any sense, that he just doesn't – I don't think he, like, assumes a lot about himself. He doesn't say, like, I need to be the guy who you – who you acknowledge as the guy in the dressing room, which is great for the Flyers. Um, but I just I, – I, I can't wait to see the kind of player he grows into. It's more where I'm going with this because I think even though he's, he's small and that's why we think of him, he's small and he's young and we think of him as this, like, skilled kid. Um, yeah, he's, he's entering his mid-20s, which is maybe the time where you become – the guy for this team, you got a long shiny contract. Now, like Brooks said, he's, he's got some years ahead of him here. Um, and, and what do you become from here? Because now, now, now the spotlight's on you before you were like a promising guy who really stepped up, but now it's like, okay, spotlights on, what do you do? I, I think that's the interesting part to watch with Travis. And I think he'll handle it fine because he's just like a contrarian and he's like, Oh yeah, well now watch, you know, but it'll be fun to watch. I'm, I'm really interested to see how it plays
0: out. It really, it really will be fun to watch him grow. Like you said, Taryn and take that next step because there's star potential there. He's our, you know, he's an all-star already. First year all-star last season. Um, he is looking like a star, uh, but stars obviously have to continue to get better um, and perform when it matters most. And I think he felt that for the first time in his career, really in this, 2020 Stanley Cup playoffs where um, when, when you produce, there are expectations. And then when you don't produce at the biggest moments, um, yeah, there comes some attention, some attention that's probably not fun to have. But uh, like you said, I, I don't doubt that he can uh, – I don't doubt that he can uh, meet expectations and play under pressure. Like Brooks said, he had that big contract right before um, – right as training camp started, and, um, and he answered the bell. He had a career breakout year with year one of a contract. So that's, that's meeting expectations. That's meeting pressure. But um, we'll have to take it to another level. And it's a, it's a perfect segue into my next question. I really want to get to take uh, your takes, both of you, Brooke and Taryn, on this. Uh, we know the Flyers struggled to score some goals in the playoffs. They scored 2.08 goals per game over the first and second rounds. It just simply didn't cut it. Um, if there's one person, one player right now, given that they didn't really go out and grab anyone on the wing or down the middle – we know they got Eric uh defensively, but other than that, they're really trusting who they have now in-house. There's one player you think has the most pressure to really produce goals, score goals uh, going into next season. Who do you think it is? Uh, Brooke, let's start with you.
1: So, aside from Konechny, since we already touched on him, and I think that he is going to bounce back pretty, pretty productively next year, I am looking, and this is not knocking this player either, but – I really expect a lot from Giroux next year. And yeah, some people might think, like, oh, he's getting, or, you know, he doesn't act like that as a player. He still wants to be the captain. He he still wants to be able to contribute as much as he can. And you know, he was incredibly rated with his performance in the playoffs, only had one goal, but the regular season, he was fine. You know, he, he didn't have this stellar high point producing season that we're used to seeing, but, and I've touched on this before and I'll, I'll touch on it again, it's that he finally didn't have the pressure of carrying the entire team on his shoulders. He finally had the talent to be able to let him step back and do the jobs that were needed instead of doing everything. So now that that adjustment's kind of been made in this first year under the new head coach, under this new you know, high drive kind of Flyers team. I really think that he's going to kick things up a notch again next year. And I, you know, I'm not saying, yeah, he's going to have another hundred point season. That's not saying it's unrealistic, but I'm also not setting the bar to that as my expectations. But I fully believe that he's going to be able to come back into this upcoming season and just, really be like, I'm the captain for a reason. And he's a humble guy. He's not the kind of person that's going to, you know, say these kind of things off the ice. He's a bigger, I'm going to show you instead of tell you. And I think that that could be a very big point to his season next year. Is just being like, I am the captain. I want to be able to contribute to my team as much as I can. And, you know, he's a humble guy, so he's not going to say it, but I hope that he's able to have that kind of production
0: yeah, such a good one. Claude Drew, all, as we know, always under the microscope in this city, especially come playoff time. And, yeah, you know, the time is ticking a little bit, and we know Claude Drew's is going to be going into the second to last year of his contract. And, uh, you know, he, he, we know how inner-driven he is. He's a very inner-driven, very motivated player. And like you said, Brooke, he goes out and shows it by his actions. I think we saw it when he had 102 points that season, uh, coming off one of his worst years in his career – I think he shows you how motivated he is. A very good pick there with Claude Drew. He will have to produce for sure. Taryn, who are you picking?
2: I mean, I don't want to exactly echo what Brooke said, but I think it, it is that Claude Drew, Jake Borachek, the, the veteran guys who make the big money. Elaine, I mean, Elaine Vigneault has straight up said, if you get paid the big bucks and you want to be the guy in the room, you got to play like it too. I mean, he's really put them on the spot a couple of times publicly. And I know he says it privately first, which is the way it should be handled, but he's a a realist and he acknowledges things as they are. And I do think there's, I think there's pressure there, not in that they have to be the top goal scorers anymore. Like Brooke said, you know, they now have the luxury of having, you know, I would love to see Oscar Lindblom, Lindblom come back and be the Oscar Lindblom of October, November, those first few games in December that he was last year because he's a guy who come, could come out and light it on fire, truthfully. I mean, he's so, so
1: – his hockey IQ
2: is so high. Um, But I think if you look – like, if we look at Boston, right, and I know I've now made – this is my second Boston reference, so people will not like it, but – if you look at Boston, and they're a team that's had sustained success over years and sustained success throughout the season last year, and they're generally that team most years in recent history, their veterans perform as well as their new players, and that's what makes them good. And so you – not to say Klocher didn't perform, but you would, you would hope that if G comes back and has an even better season and wants to produce even more – and finds a part of his game where he's able to improve or add something, or now that he has, you know, chemistry with AV and with this team that's that's so tight right now, um, that he's able to produce more. And, and Jake, same thing, we're consistently able to produce more. And JVR, same thing. If you get all these, these big contract veteran guys that we know have an incredibly high ceiling, and you get all of them cl- clicking, on all cylinders, alongside your young guys, who stops this team? Like who? I I just don't know. Um, maybe a Tampa Bay. Like, but that's the thing is that we've had we've had Konechny become what he was last year. We had Ivan Provorov take a step. We had Travis Sanheim take a step. We had Phil Myers take a giant step. You know we. Saw Oscar Lindblom play really well. Sean Couturier finally won a selfie, which he very much so deserved. You know, we're seeing all these people take steps. And I think if you bolster that with really great seasons from these guys that we know are phenomenal players and really great people, who stops the team? And now you have a great goaltender situation with both Elliott and Carter. It's just like all everything's there and the coach is there to be able to use those ingredients the right way. And I think that's, that's where I sit there and I go, okay, now let's see it, you know, because we did see it come together. Now let's see it for a full season. Cause I just don't know who stops this team. I really don't. Yeah. It's so true. Taryn, like you just listed
0: all the ingredients. They're all there. And I think that's why a lot of people like the Flyers makeup going into the playoffs, especially after they ran through the round robin, the way in which they did the ingredients are all there. Um, I think that's just why it was, I think that's why Chuck Fletcher and the front office and the coaching staff, um, this offseason season, they didn't panic and they didn't go out and make maybe a kind of, they didn't spend frivolously in a really tight offseason. They didn't go out and make a loud trade yet. <laughs> um, or anything like that. I think they like what they have in place. There's a lot to like. Like, it's okay. To, they fell short in the playoffs, but they were a game away from the Eastern Conference Final. Um, and I think that makes you step back and just look at the big picture. Don't make panic moves. Um, there is a lot to like here. And, yeah, if, if you get production out of Claude Drew and Jacob Voracek and those guys that you said, you know the youth is already here and it's and it's building. Man, it can, it can make for something pretty fun. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, for me, I'm going to go with a very similar veteran type of player that's been here for a little while uh, in two stints. I think James Van Reems likes a pretty obvious one to me as well. A pure goal scorer, a guy that can flat out and go out and score goals. That's his primary thing. He is known as a pure goal scorer. Whereas the Flyers have a lot of facilitators, mm-hmm. a lot of playmakers, but they've been known to kind of lack the guy to go out and just make a goal for himself. JVR obviously isn't, like, the flashiest and going to go out – And uh, just deke a bunch of guys and score, but he can score goals. And he had 19 last year. Um, His role kind of fluctuated, but he is a 30 goal type of guy. He scored 36 one season. He's a two time 30 goal scorer. Um, So we know he can put up goals. And I think the Flyers are really looking at him and saying, we can get more out of that guy. He's going to help us produce goals. Um, We don't need to go out and really grab anyone, any big names plop them on our wing and say, go score goals. They kind of have that in-house. I think they know they can get more out of JVR, and I think there's going to be pressure there because he's in, th- in the third year of that, of that contract that he signed when Ron Hatchel was here. There is pressure that comes out, as we said, with money and contracts. We know the expansion draft's coming up next off season, and he's a name that's kind of been murmured a lot in that. Um, so uh, I think JVR is the guy for me, uh, Brook and Taryn, that I, I'm looking forward to score goals next year.
2: Interesting, too, because like you mentioned, he's, he, was, he was Ron Hextall's guy that Ron brought back. And then Chuck really recommitted to him. But I think that sticks with players. Like every, everything that I've heard, you know, on the record, off the record, etc., from former players, current players, coaches, is that it does mean something to a player when a different GM came in and gave you a big contract. And then, but Chuck, I think has made it pretty obvious. Like, Hey, we believe in you. Like, I still believe in you. You're still my guy too. But that also is this is a reciprocal relationship where, I mean, Chuck Fletcher's job is on the line. If he puts together a team who doesn't perform and this is a player who's, who's a big part of this team in terms of his cost. And, and Chuck still says, figure it out. I believe in you go do it. And if not, like you said, there's a lot of expansion draft whispers. So it'll be, it'll be interesting.
1: That's even <laughs> something. Oh yeah. I hope
2: he does really great. well because he's such a good guy and his wife's awesome too. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, which, I, which is always a good situation to have on your team too. It just, they're great. And she's really, she gives back to the community a lot here. I mean, they're, they're, I think a great, he's great to have in this dressing room which I think isn't lost on anybody either. It's why it's like, hey, we get it. I mean, that's the other thing that's tough, though, is if you look back at his numbers in January, he was playing insane. I mean, he was putting up insane production. I think I'm pretty sure it was January. Um, just he, he got into one of those streaks where he's untouchable. Yeah. The thing is, is that sometimes, he, I'm sure Elaine Vigneault has had the conversation with him where it's like, hey, these, these streaks, I'd like to see them... F- Frequently, <laughs> you know, yeah. well, I yeah. want to see them as frequently as possible.
0: Yeah. And, so. J- and James Van Reem's like like you said, really good guy. He's a pro. He's a true, true pro in the way he goes about his business, the way he works. Uh, Carter Hart even said that per- one of the biggest influences on him as becoming a pro in terms of not just what you do on the ice, but what you do off it, how you eat, how you train, how you, um, you grow a routine. He said JVR was one of the most influential. I think that shows you, that is the future of the organization right there in that, and JVR was having an impact on him in that way. Uh, so, yeah, very good guy. But, Brooke, you were, you were about to hit on something as well with JVR.
1: Yeah, just really, really fast. Um, yeah. We've touched on this on the podcast, especially when we started looking at expansion draft, and I still can't believe that that's already next season. But this is a huge year for James Van Rienstuyck to give the Flyers a reason to want him to stay. Yeah. So based off of how you basically laid this all out, Jordan, it's that he he deserves to have a good breakout season and have that kind of 30-goal point production or the equivalent to that with the condensed season. Um, and since he's come back to Philly, I feel like a lot of fans have harped on him because he wasn't able to kind of – match that production that they remember him as or when he was in Toronto. Um, So it's going to be really interesting to see what he's able to bring to the table, because if he can become that top goal scoring player for the Flyers, again, that's only going to contribute to everything that they already have and everything that we've already touched on this podcast. Um, So, yeah, I've said it he's He's the textbook definition of a hot streak kind of player because he'll go cold for ten fifteen games and then he's got a streak of eight where he can't be stopped like Taryn mentioned, so I hope we can see more of that hot streakness and more consistency of that next year for his I, sake because I do like him in Philly.
2: I feel bad too because I feel like he he sometimes gets like if he is a bad game, he gets all the weight and all of the criticism of every single Flyers player who the Flyers developed, went to a different team, played really well. And then who they brought back on a big contract because we know he's not the first guy the Flyers have done that with. Like, I feel like that was sort of like the story of my childhood where you're like, Oh, he's back. Tell me his uniform. <laughs> tell me his numbers the same. Cause I have the old, like the old sweater. So, uh, and I think that's a little unfair sometimes because the Flyers knew who James Van Reeves like was when they brought him back on a big contract. I'm sure they want to see a 30 goal season out of him. And he still has years in his prime left. Like he's just played for so long. I think people forget that he still has good hockey years in him. Um, Especially as a guy whose office is like right around the net. Like, you know, he doesn't have to be a 200 foot guy night in and night out and do what Sean Petriere does. Like, yeah. Uh, but it, like, it's not his fault that the Flyers have done this before. And I love this team and I will for the rest of my life. And I've loved them since I was a little kid, but that's not on JVR. <laughs> like, that's, yeah. and I think sometimes you really do. He gets the brunt of that situation and I just go, okay, but when he does one of the, when he goes on one of those streaks where he has like 15 goals in 13 games, then you love them. So, and if the season played out and they played the last month of the season, who knows? If he hit another streak and we're all looking at the season going, wow, what a productive year out of JVR. We got those few long hot streaks out of him and that's what we need and put us in great position heading into the postseason seating wise, but we didn't get that. So, who knows? But like Brooke said, I, I think he deserves a good season. I, I think he does. And I, I think he's another guy where Elaine Binio figured out where does this piece fit? Like, it, it's like playing Tetris with these guys sometimes. Like, this guy has a specific skill set. Where does it fit in here? And how does it fit in on the power play? You know, it, there's a lot of components to JVR's game that do rely on where he's at and, and who's on the ice with him and if he's in a good position to deflect the puck and where that puck is coming from and whose stick it was on before him. Like, that's part of having like jordan said a guy who's not a setup guy he is a finisher but finishers a lot of times rely on the people around them as well and flyer in a unique situation this year where a lot of young guys coming up a lot of movement and a lot of different positions throughout the year i mean the 4c position i think like 80 people occupied the fourth line center at different points of the year like (laughs) ellie mino was figuring out who do I want here? And am I trying to use this guy in the wing or am I going to have him slide in at the center? And B- JVR bounced around lines. I mean, he spent some time on the third line in the bottom six and there was a lot of movement in the bottom six. So sorry, I'm going on tangents, but I do. I feel like when I talk to people, they like, it comes up that same argument all the time. I'm like, it's not his fault, but the flyers developed them. He went and played and had really good seasons in Toronto. And the flyers were like, we would love him back now. Like that's not his, it's just on him to perform. And I think, I think he's in a good position to hopefully
1: succeed next year. I think a big thing is when you look at production versus value of contract. But if anything, just credit his agent for being able to get something of high value because he is capable of being worth that contract. So I hope that he makes use of that next year going into such an interesting season. Flyers Talk is presented by Wells Fargo. When our communities need us, Wells Fargo is here to help.
0: Taryn, uh, on our previous Monday edition of this Flyers Talk podcast, you had some fun guess that player. Um, kind of some I would say. Uh, Brooke and I guess I know Brooke and I both guessed, I think, one of them right, but we did not get the other one. Let's get those in. Yeah.
2: Games. So to refresh everybody's story, um, it was picture day, we went in, we did basically like your high school superlatives, your yearbook superlatives that you do in school. Um, and you know, like Matt Niskanen was elected president, Jake Borachek was also selected as the leader of the <coughs> Republic. Um, Carter Hart and Kevin Hayes were most talkative, Michael Roffel and Scott Lawton were voted um, class couple and, <laughs> and, and class, uh, class clown. And then there was a question, who is the least athletic? And who is the most likely to end up in detention? And who did you select for least athletic, guys? I
0: I remember I had um, Philip Myers because I remember there was jokes about how he wasn't very good at soccer because apparently he wasn't athletic. And we all thought that was kind of funny because the the dude was pretty strong and pretty athletic. But go ahead.
1: Bro. And then I had Voracek and then I went on this whole thing about how he's already blocked me on Twitter anyways. So (laughs) he can't yell at me.
2: Okay. So I'm going to insert a funny Jake Voracek uh, story a real quick one right here. So Jake, I get there when the players get there for the games to get the entrance interviews. So if a game is at seven, I'm usually there at like 345. We get the entrance interviews. They go in, we see them get their protein bars or their shakes or their, you know, fruit, whatever they're eating. And guys are like rolling out and stretching. James Van Reemstike, who we know is like the most prepared human with every gadget ever invented, is like bionic. Like he's got all (laughs) kinds of things going on. And Jake, what city were we in? I wish I remember where we were. We were not in Philly. Jake, my position was literally right across from the doors to the dressing room. And I could just see everybody else foam rolling and stretching and And Jake's just walking around, like, eating, like, a Nutri- like, a nutri bar or something, holding a stick, laughing at people. (laughs) And I said, I said, and I'm, I don't, I'm sure he does some kind of preparation. I mean, who knows, maybe not. But uh, I was like, are you gonna, like, stretch, man? And he was like, no, no, never done (laughs) it, never gonna start, Mm, not my thing. And I was like, cool. (laughs) And... And he just, like, he's just sitting there laughing, and I think he had three points that night. So, <laughs> so who cares, right?
0: Um, he, has, he hasn't missed many games in his career, so he must be doing no. something, right? I,
2: well, I mean, yeah, I think I think he's just like, this has worked for this long. Why would I change great. it? If it ain't right. broke. Yep. I mean, I don't want to make presumptions about what it was like to play in Czech Republic growing up at – at Jake's age, but I know playing soccer in New Jersey and, and I'm 27 as a kid, like we didn't really like foam roll. We did like a stretch circle, like <laughs> So I'm sure that it was just like, listen, this is never in my routine and I'm not gonna start, but all these young guys now have like stretch bands and like these vibrating foam rollers and those guns that like percussion guns. And Jake's just like.
1: la a Snickers,
2: <laughs> I didn't care. Um, so the least athletic did in fact go to Phil Myers.
0: Yes, I because they said
2: he was the worst at soccer, and Matt Niskanen said prior to to Phil he was the worst at soccer. And so I asked the other guys, "Well, would you have voted Matt Niskanen least athletic?" And they said no. <laughs> so I don't know what that means for Phil <laughs> Myers, but I was like. I'm sitting there and I'm like, and I know goalies are athletes they work hard too, but I'm like, Phil Myers covers the entire sheet in like five-step skating and he's six foot five and probably has like 0.0% body fat and he is your least athletic. Athlete. I was
0: surprised too. Like, I mean, yeah. I
1: guess that's a good thing
2: for yeah. the I mean, He is bad though. He sucks. At the jungle thing. he's terrible like i almost get nailed when i walk by all the time he's
1: it's dangerous when you walk by that
2: yeah and somebody got stuck in the ceiling one time and i want to say that was phil it might have been it might have been joel therapy but everybody was just like dogging them they're like no what are we supposed to do like <laughs> you want to play basketball like ugh. But, yeah that was phil um that's great and then most likely to end up in detention this one <laughs> They said it on camera, so I feel
1: like I can share it,
2: but...
0: Yeah, and I, I had the easy guess of Travis Konechny. Brooke, who did you pick?
1: Um, I was also with Konechny, and then I was also thinking either Lawton or Raffle. Yes.
2: So it was unanimous. I think I interviewed six people that day, maybe seven, and every person said the same thing. And none of your answers are right. Yeah, who was it? Nico Bay q Bell. Wow.
0: Interesting. Oh, I think I know why. <laughs> why? Why? I, I love Nick O.K. But I love Nicholas <laughs> Obey-Kubel. Colbert- <laughs> Nick
2: O.K.? Nick okay?
0: <laughs> okay. I love Nick O.K. Uh, no. <laughs> but I, I did hear a few times maybe he was a little tardy to, like, a power play meeting or something of that nature. Uh, so maybe I, maybe he's, like, a little uh, aloof at times, and he just tends to be late. That, that's my guess.
2: So our guy Nick – um <laughs> super nice, yes. uh hardworking guy. Uh apparently had a timeliness issue. Yes. Uh was not particularly punctual for a while. And then I think somebody talked to him because he's he's never late to the bus. Like all the young guys take the first bus to the arena. There's always two buses. All almost all the time the young guys take the first bus to the arena, and he's always on the first bus which means he's in the building and it's like the, the dressing room. And there's sometimes like two smaller rooms and that's where they do power play and PK meetings. So I don't know how he ends up being late because it's like footsteps away, but I was told that, that he was late and I I wish I had the video I'd go back and watch. Cause Kevin, he's like really dimed him out on a few things. He was just like, I love it. Late. Uh, sometimes I talk to him and he's not paying attention. And I know that he doesn't, like, his English isn't always great. But, like, like I'll be he'll be looking at me and I'll be talking to him. And then he'll say what? As if he didn't just, like, make eye contact with me as I talk to him. And it wasn't that he didn't understand. He just, like, so out or something? <laughs> and I feel like I can share that now because Nick did really well in the postseason and he's really blossomed into being oh, yeah. a great player. So, but... Nick Bell, and it, I was shocked because I thought it was going to be Connect Me Too, and I kept asking mm-hmm. people. I was like, like, Travis or something? and Because Travis has made me late to games because him – in Ottawa, you can take a shuttle from the hotel to the arena. That's how the players get there. That's how us broadcasters get there whatever. But I'm the only one who has to go at 345. JJ and Jonesy can come when the second bus comes because I have to do the arrival interview. So the one day I arranged for the shuttle to take – um me at 345 because the team had gotten a bus and Travis, the Travi Sandheim and connect me and <laughs> Kevin Hees wanted to go to Starbucks on the way. So they didn't go on the team bus and they just hopped in my shuttle to go to the arena. And then Travis was like, okay, well, can we go to Starbucks? And I was like, well, I'm, <laughs> like, I have to do an, an, an entrance interview. And he was like, yeah, but it's with me, right? So if I'm not there, you can't interview me anyway. And I was like, "Well, okay. And then they were all very nice. Everybody was like, do you want a coffee? We're so sorry we're making you late. We'll get you a coffee, yada, yada, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, no, it's fine. It's fine. And then I got there and my lovely producer, Coop, was just like, what are you doing? The bus got here 14, 15 minutes ago, yada, yada. And I said, well, Travis actually like hijacked my Uber and and made us go to Starbucks with both the Travis and uh, and Kevin Hayes and um, Travis needed his coffee. Travis needed his coffee and um, <laughs> and what's his face and uh, and I and I said to I said to all of them when I got in the car I said if my producer gets bad at me when we get to the <laughs> arena because Coop is like a punctual guy. Like, I, I text him say, I'm on my way to the arena. I'll be there in 15 minutes. Let me know if you guys are ready to do the interview when I get there. Yes. Then it takes 25 minutes for us to get there. And Kevin Hayes goes, okay, well, if Coop gets mad, like, if, if your producer gets mad, like, just put me on the headsets and I'll talk to him. And I was like, oh, sure. <laughs> Lo and behold, Coop wasn't, like, yelling at me, but he was just, like, Taryn, like, blah, 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 And I told him, they're, they, all, they are the reason I'm late. And then I said to, to Kevin Hayes, he walked by, and I was like, my producer's mad at me. Would you like this headset? And he was like, you know, I, I think I'm good. Like I'm in game mode. And I was like, <laughs> you turd. I swear to God. Oh my God. But that's part of the team. But that's like part of the reason why I think this team does so well with each other is like, that's so you would, that nothing like that would happen the season before Everything right. was kind of somber. It was very serious now it's like, let's make Taryn late to Starbucks. <laughs> and like, and I'm not even like a thought, like I'm such an afterthought to them, but it was just like, can we please hop in your Uber? We didn't, we didn't remember to ask for a shuttle. <laughs> like, okay.
0: And then they had to get calls. Can we,
2: can we go to Starbucks? It's okay, it's a drive-through. It's not a drive-through. Oh, oh, well, it's on the way, it's not on the way either. And it's snowing and it's 20 degrees below zero or whatever, and we're in, like in Ottawa. <laughs> and uh, yeah, but no, none of them were in detention. Just Nick Obey-Kubel.
0: It so. this kubel Well, I know, right. sure he's not gonna. I get. I think, like, especially as a young player, like power play time—that's like a privilege. Like, you don't, you don't want to lose that. So I bet. Uh, I bet he got himself in order. Uh, pretty quickly, especially with the help of Kevin Hayes.
2: Especially with uh, him being a, a French Canadian lad. With a, yeah predominantly French-Canadian coaching staff that can yell at you in two languages that you understand. Yeah. That's intimidating, to say the least. Yeah, but he's a good kid. I enjoy him. He's like... Oh, he's awesome. Also- he, doesn't, he doesn't understand yeah. a single question I'm asking in post-game sometimes. Yeah. I talk too fast, I'm sure, but who cares? You know? yeah, he definitely-
1: he's vibing. He's in his own world. Right.
2: I like yeah. asked him about a Gordie Howe hat trick and he could have looked through me at the wall behind me. He had no idea what I was talking about.
1: Oh not like goodness. he could pretty
2: how Patrick was, but I don't think he understood any of the other words I said. Yeah. But I talk fast. It's not on him. Sometimes I don't understand what I say. And then people tweet at me about it, and they also concur, that they don't understand either. So I know it's a me issue.
0: <laughs> no, I don't think it's you. I, I definitely noticed he is kind of short and sweet in his interviews. That's just, you know, could be obviously that, you know, he, he can speak English fine, but, you know, obviously he's French Canadian. So maybe, yeah, maybe he's just like, yeah, short and sweet is better for me. It's a little less... A little less to have to say, and uh, that works. But um, Taryn, do you have any other, do you have any questions or trivia coming up for the guests? If not, okay. don't worry about it. We can, we can hit on it next time.
2: I think I had a good one, and I, I have a good one, but I don't want to embarrass anybody. So I, I don't know if I want to tell it, because it's no, kind of, uh, it is funny if I tell it, can we just not include it? I'll just tell it after the recording's done. <laughs> then, yes. Okay. <laughs> Cause it is funny, but I don't want to, I don't want to embarrass anybody. <laughs> I you can know, yeah. But, uh, no, we'll give it, we'll give it a break for this week. That's, that's so good. How about this? I will post something on my Twitter and my Instagram. Whoops. Most, most, uh, what people want to know the most about last year's Flyers team or who they'd love to hear a story about the most or something. Like um, we'll throw that in there next time because uh, sometimes I feel bad doing this.
0: <laughs> That's fun. <laughs> no, th- we love it. T- everyone, uh, for those listening, please check out Terrence's Twitter and Instagram. That's yeah. a really fun thing. Post that on okay. Instagram and Twitter. I'm sure you'll get plenty of responses. And then next time, next Monday, uh, we can look at those. We can look at the ones that you pick. That'll be fun.
2: Yeah. So if you have a flyer or it like some, an instance, a game, some experience that you have a dying burning question that you'd love to know uh, the answer to, I'm happy to try to share. It's just, I'm so lucky that I have, it's like you have so much that they, sometimes things come flooding back to you and sometimes it's just like, how, how do I pick from all of these kind of memories? But, um, yeah, especially this year's Flyers team, There, I mean, there are so many, like, so many just funny, fun stories because these guys, I mean, they're like a, a genuinely funny crew as well. Even, like, Claude Giroux is very funny, and then you put the camera up and he's like, So, uh, but yeah, there's some stories there. So I'll figure out what people want to know. There we go. And then not about me, though, just about the flyers.
0: Not about Taryn, about those 2019 20 flyers. Uh, We'll stick with that. But Taryn Hatcher, thank you so much, as always, for joining us on Monday. We cannot wait to talk to you next Monday. Brooke Descher, special thank you to you as well, as always, for joining us. And a special thank you to Ben Berry, our podcast producer. Flyers fans, that is the latest Flyers Talk Podcast. Wherever you get your podcast, please rate and subscribe, and we cannot wait to talk to you next time.